So Money episode 1036, Katie Storino, entrepreneur, social media influencer, and host of the Boob Sweat podcast. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. You know, truly, it really sucks. I'm I'm paying two rents. I'm lucky that I can do that. Um, I've lost a lot of... This is a great time to talk about this on a money podcast. I've lost um, a lot of projected income already for the year. Like, So my finances have definitely been affected As the founder of her own self-care line and a major social media influencer, Katie Storino found her business majorly impacted by the health crisis and all the shelter-at-home orders, but she's navigating it just like all other entrepreneurs. How is she doing it? What are her plans for next steps? Katie is also the founder and host of the Boop Sweat Podcast. I was on her podcast earlier this year. It's a weekly show that tackles the taboo topics from dating to Botox to divorce, and of course, money. I discovered that our money episode was one that was the second highest episode to date on her podcast. A lot of us want to talk about money, and thus, here you are. Katie's here to talk not just about the impact that COVID-19 has had on her business, but also the lessons and experiences, financial ones, that she has had through launching multiple businesses, getting married, and then divorced, and then married again, being the female breadwinner in her relationships, and why the current climate, why the current pandemic has actually made her relationship with money better and closer. Here's Katie Storino. Katie Storino, welcome to So Money, my friend. How are you? Hi, I'm great. I'm coming to you live from the great state of Maine. Is that where you ran off to uh, pre-quarantine? Yes, pre-quarantine. So um, what was that? March 4th? which seems like an insane date that was so long ago. Uh, we we left for Maine for an Airbnb and we've been here ever since. What made you choose Maine? Do you have uh, any connection to Maine? I have like a deep fantasy that I would like really thrive in Maine. And, <laughs> and I, you know, truly, it really sucks. I'm, I'm paying two rents. I'm lucky that I can do that. Um, I've lost a lot of, this is a great time to talk about this on a money podcast. I've lost um, a lot of projected income already for the year. Like, so my finances have definitely been affected. Um, but I am just someone who, like, I, I'm just too anxious to stay. So we left with all the, those consequences. Um, we left and I don't know, we're, we're out here and I'm pretending that I'm, like a lobster person and <laughs> well you run so many different types of businesses obviously you've got your beauty line and then you have your online influencer business yeah. and i'm just curious what's been impacted most uh, obviously people can't go out and buy as much as they were before so perhaps you know your beauty products are seeing a decline, but how about the influencer model stuff? I mean, I guess it's could it could be win-lose depending on what your niche is. Well the biggest hit that the biggest hit that Mega Babe, my um personal care products line is taking is that Ulta and Target retail stores, like not so much Target, but Ulta's are all closed and 
Target, you know, people aren't really shopping in the store other than for essentials. So that has really impacted the business. Um, and then for, for my influencer business, um, brands immediately, obviously the first thing to go is they cut marketing budgets. So programs that we had been working on for months and, um, brand deals that were in the works, like everything just got stopped. And so what's been your reaction to that? Are you just taking this time to sort of reflect next steps? Where did you have savings? Obviously you do because you're paying two rents, right. but in your in your mind like what is what is what are the next 9 months, 10 months look like for you and your business? They look they well, I went through about a week of just sheer panic, fear, um sadness. I I was very um I don't know. It's really hard when you're, listen, I'm the type of person who is very, um, I'm very tied to my productivity and I'm very, uh, I'm into like a go, go, go. I run two businesses. I'd run three if someone would let me. And, um, I just am, I'm that type of person. So to, this is all with the big blanket, I understand that we have bigger problems right now and that people are losing lives and and family members and friends. So I understand that all of these problems are pretty small in comparison to what's going on right now. But for my own personal life, uh, it's been been really scary. So I've definitely started, other than the two rents, I've started to um, curb the way that I'm spending money and start to think about like my own plans financially and what the next year looks like. And maybe we had plans to, well, obviously vacations are gone. No one's traveling right now. Um, and we've been thinking about buying a house and I don't know if that will happen. And, uh, it's just, it's everything from looking at how much my groceries cost where I probably wasn't looking before and, starting to really be a little bit more conscious about where money is going. So that's a good thing because last time we connected, it was earlier this year. And, you know, while you're really good at making money, you admitted to me that like, that's your strength and perhaps, you know, managing your money is come second. True. Um, but, and I think for a lot of people, they would say that right now there's a lot of forced savings. Like you can't yeah. go out and spend the way that you were. And it's kind of cool to see your credit card statement down 70%, you know, and that might be the fear that's lifted. So then you go and look. Yeah. (laughs) Finally, like how you're spending. It's true. I will say my credit card is the lowest it's been in, I don't know, five years. Uh, Yeah. That being said, I, I still am spending money. I'm still, but it's, it's a different, it's intentional spending. Like I overnighted, um, a Jenny's ice cream order to us. But that for me was more about supporting Jenny's and getting great ice cream than than like, I don't know, that felt like a good spend because I was helping a business. And so that's kind of where when I'm shopping, other than the pair, the three pairs of Crocs that I ordered from Zappos, (laughs) um, other than that, I'm pretty, I'm being pretty intentional with my money. Right. Yeah. We're intentional with 
spending, um, we're still in Brooklyn, so we're supporting the local restaurants, uh, you know, but also learning how to cook more. Did you know that if you boil water, you can make a lot of things like hard boiled eggs, you can make pasta. Yeah. I didn't know this. I know. Um, I, I, you know what? I still don't know because my husband is doing the cooking, but I do know that you can load the dishwasher and, um, you can do it like three times a day. Are you enjoying cooking? So I, um, I do accept that I always feel like I'm doing it under duress mm -hmm. because I have two children under the age of six that are constantly hungry. Whoa. Okay. So like I, I find myself meal prepping for dinner at like 11 o'clock in the morning because I just need, I can't like expect that I can go in the kitchen for 30 minutes uninterrupted. Yeah. So I try to do it in stages. So I'll like cut the vegetables in the morning, saute the meat whenever I can, and then like reheat everything at five o'clock because that's just, you know, where we are in our life right now. But Honestly, looking forward the to that you're supposed to be doing it. Like that's the way that they recommend you doing it as like a, if you're someone who has to meal prep and work all at the same time. And manage the kids and yes. everything. Yeah. It's, it's a tsunami right now in, in, in my household. <laughs> um, and we're just holding on for dear life. So, you know, let's pretend we're not in the predicament that we are. Let's talk about all of the amazing work that you have accomplished. You wear many professional hats, Katie. We've talked about some of these, um, some of these areas already, whether that's Mega Babe, your self-care line that you came up with the idea and you just ran with it. I think, you know, your background in PR um, is definitely, would you say like your what's driving a lot of your success, knowing how to market, knowing what people want, being really in tune to customer interest and what drives customer consumer spending. So you're the entrepreneur, but you're also this social media influencer. You're a body, body positivity advocate, animal activist. Is there a role that you, if you could have to pick one, like that's the one thing you want to do all the time? Mm. I would say I... Oh, it's tough. And I think that that's why I have so many careers because there are so many different things that I like to do and they don't all roll into one. So I love, I love product development with Mega Babe. And the thing that I really love the most is connecting with people and getting the products in their hands and, you know, having, having their lives changed in some cases when it comes to like thigh rescue, cause they don't experience thigh chafe anymore. Or just like, they really love our Latouche butt mask and they love the way it makes their skin feel. So that's like a, that's a great, exciting thing for me. So I think making a difference in women's lives is something that I really enjoy. And I think that's probably the part of being a quote unquote influencer that I also enjoy the most is chatting with women um, in the DMs and comments about their own body journeys. And if I can help them in any way, um, I think that that's, that's the thing that really drives me. Yeah, you were quoted in the New York Times recently addressing there women come in all shapes and sizes, yet where we are in terms of the inspiration on Instagram versus what's actually available in the marketplace. Like we all talk the talk, right? Mm -hmm. Body positivity. But when you yeah. actually want to go and buy a cute <laughs> pair of jeans that are in your size, it's like a dearth of options. And so talk to that a little bit. Why is there such a gap? Why aren't people, you're in marketing and PR, like doesn't that seem like an obvious opportunity for so many fashion and retailers? Sure does. But I think what you have to realize is that the core of their understanding of that market is that it's still niche and it's something that they're doing almost as like a, a marketing 
play or um, for positive PR, they're not necessarily they're not necessarily thinking about that customer, her experience, or her access to the clothes that they're making. So a brand can can be like, we expanded sizes, like we did it, yay, and they put them online, but they don't actually think about how this woman who's never been able to shop their brand before is going to get to those clothes, try them on. Does she really trust you? Are you even going to be doing this next season? So there's a lot of there's a lot of factors that brands don't consider because I don't think that they um most of them, many of them, not most, many of them are just doing it for the wrong reason and not actually to it and it's a business. You have to like you have to sell the clothes, I understand. But um I just think it's it's they don't see the whole program all the way through. When I think of your career, I, I I don't see any period of time where you worked for someone. Mm. <laughs> um, I feel like you've always been your own boss. But was there a time when you had a boss, and what did you learn from that experience? Yeah, I did have a boss. Um, I it was very early on um, before I started my own PR company. Um, I had a few bosses. What did I learn? I learned that um, there's really no excuse or no reason to be mean. There's um, people make mistakes and how you deal with them is everything, how you deal with telling them about it. And it sucks. You know, I've, I've had, uh, I've had lots and lots of people working under me and I, and I feel pretty safe in that you could go to any of those people that dozen or so girls that have worked with me over the years and say, how was she as a boss? And I could probably tell you exactly <laughs> what they would say. I'm, I'm kind of all over the place, but I care about like, I care about your career. I care about learning and, and like, I'm very into teachable moments. So if I see something, I guess I'm telling you about how I am as a boss, because I guess the bosses that I had were not like this. And that's the example that I saw. Didn't see examples that I really liked, only saw examples that I didn't like, um, like belittling for no reason freaking out about hangers. I mean, the, the things that, yes, small things make a difference, but there's just, there's ways to communicate with, with people that are just not, I don't know. It's not, it's never necessary to be mean. And that's what I found in the fashion industry is that most bosses were very mean. And almost, um, own their meanness with a sense of like, dignity and pride. Love and like, that people are scared of that. They love being yeah. known as that. Maybe I just watch too much Devil Wears Prada. I but <laughs> yeah. But I don't it's know. kind of it's like this, it's the thing that separates them from I don't know. It's they they make them feel elite or special that they can look they can go make someone cry. Oh dear. <laughs> well, speaking of things that make us cry, let's talk about money again for a minute. Um, you were recently quoted. You're all over the press, by the way. Um, I guess that's the, the a, a nod here. No, being a former publicist, the value of media to me is it's endless. Um, mm-hmm. I always, I view the media, even though they can be foes, I view the media as friends if you make something, if you have a message, if you have something that you want to get out there and you don't have eyeballs, if you don't have the press talking about it, if you don't have buzz, then it doesn't go anywhere. So I've always, listen, I'm, someone wants to interview me. I say yes, because that's, um, that's how you get your message out. I 100% agree. So now you were saying, 
in, I believe it was, I think it might have been um, createandcultivate.com. You were interviewed about money and you said that money is power and freedom Mm -hmm. and that you see, unfortunately, many women at the mercy of their partner financially. Um, And so I wonder if this is something that you were speaking to from personal experience. I know now you're remarried. I believe you're the breadwinner in your marriage, but was it always the case? Uh, yeah, I, that was always the case for, for me. It's, it's not my experience. It's truly wa- watching friends and friends of friends have to navigate their lives around someone else's rule or someone else's say. And I understand that in marriage, finances are a partnership and you obviously have to consider someone else when you're doing things, but hiding shopping, hiding, I don't know. It just, it that for me... It, always felt so bad for personally for me. Like I, I, I don't want to convince someone that we can take a nice vacation and I've never wanted to, you know, if I want something fancy from a store and I'm able to buy it and it's makes sense for me, then I want to buy it without ever having to be like, I'm sorry. Like uh, that kind of thing. It's, yeah, yeah, I get it. It is freedom. But you know, being the breadwinner in your marriage, and I'm that person in my marriage, I find that it comes with, in some cases, it comes with challenges, but also Im- immense benefits. So totally. I think you did identify a benefit already in that you kind of can lead your life without any excuses and feeling bad about your decisions yeah. around money. But what would you say is a complexity that requires work? when you're the female breadwinner? Well, I think, well, there's, there are complexities. So what I think is, is interesting that doesn't get talked about a lot. So I'm glad you asked about this is, so my husband's in law school, which means right now he's um, in a financially negative place, but then afterwards he'll, he'll have some loans to pay off, but he'll also have a job and then he'll, he'll make a pretty good salary, right? Or a decent salary or a salary. And that puts him back in like the financial, more financial, even, even footing, I guess I'm trying to say. And right now he handles a lot of the like kitchen stuff and the cleaning and stuff. We, we have a housekeeper back in New York, but um, just regularly, he is responsible for a lot of the household stuff. So what I find interesting about it is that that's kind of just what women do in general, right? Like women are always put in, I'm really stereotyping here, but what I see is that women work, they make money, and then they're just, the the household responsibilities kind of fall into their lap. And what we do is it's kind of reversed. And then um, I guess I find myself being, trying to be the best, <laughs> this is going to sound weird, but trying to be like the best husband I can be in a typical husband wife role. Um, tell me if I've gone too far away from what you're I'm with you. Saying. Okay, I'm, you're not, with I'm me. hanging in there. With okay, you. I, because what I'm trying to do is what I see from men who are in typical breadwinner roles and they have a wife who's kind of doing it all. Um, they're not appreciative. They're not supportive. They don't notice when work is being done and they don't thank them. It's just kind of like dinner shows up at the table, the dishes disappear, somehow the laundry's in the drawer, and no one asks questions. And so what I I guess I come at it from the perspective of I understand that he may be taking on more of the domestic responsibilities right now, but I try to be 
supportive, not just financially, but emotionally, or I just try to be, um, to show him gratitude and that like, I see what he's doing. Yes. I completely respect that. I think it's important. I think you're right. Often we forget to recognize someone in the, if the person in the relationship is making less or nothing at the moment, they're still contributing. They're still being right. a provider, yes. even though it has nothing to do with money. And I think sometimes in our culture, we associate providing exclusively with financial providing. And if you're not doing that, then it's not as valuable. It's not as valuable. And there's no there's no appreciation shown for it. It's just, and and I think that's what causes um, a divide in so many marriages too, because you just kind of start to resent that person because you're like, oh, I guess you just think this all operates. But the provide, the the, uh, financial provider is like, well, that's what I do. I pay the bills. That's my job. So it's interesting. What did your divorce teach you, if anything, about money or about how, you you know, you wanted a different relationship with money in your next partnership? I, my divorce taught me that, unfortunately, uh, it taught me that you have to get a prenup. And I mean, for me, uh, it taught me it's the smart thing to do. It's like you thinking for yourself in case, you know, it's like getting insurance basically. Um, and I don't ever want my marriage to end. I love my husband and I don't, I don't believe that it will end, but I think that, um, it's just this, it's insurance, um, for yourself. Um, and I think that that also, well, I don't know. I'll just speak to my own experience and I would say financially, um, we are, we are not combining finances at the moment. Um, Maybe we will in the future, but I don't know if we will. What was the reasoning behind that? I completely get it. Even in our own marriage, we we have most things separate. Yeah. We have a shared credit card, we have a shared bank account, but that's not where the bank account is not where we're pulling all of our, you know, it's just it's right. just more symbolic. Right. <laughs> yeah. Point. I think because I um because no matter how much you love someone or you trust someone or you think you know someone, if, if things turn bad ever, there's not, there's no, there's no bigger, well, there's plenty of gut punch opportunities, but one of the biggest gut punches can be um, when that person takes your money, right? So there's to be in control of your own finances is something that I think is really important. Here, here. Yeah. So, Let's talk about the supersize the look hashtag on your Instagram feed. I love this content series. This is where you dress up in similar clothing and you pose as a celebrity who's wearing that outfit to show what it looks like, like sort of this mirror image, like what it looks like to not be a size zero. What inspired the first post? Supersize the look is something that I started... Um, mostly because I, I kept hearing... Well, there are two reasons I started it. I kept hearing from women that um, they loved certain people's style, but they could never pull it off themselves. And also as a blogger, um, it, you have to come up with outfits like all the time. So I found that I was looking to celebrities for inspiration for outfits. And I was like, let's just combine those two concepts and just show women that they can wear celebrity style. They can wear the outfits that inspire them. And it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what size you are. 
And it's gone, like everybody obviously loves celebrity content, but when you make it really real like this, it, it's no wonder um, it's become so popular. If you're looking to transition to the internet more now because of just what's happening in the world and realizing like, even if this, even when this shelter in place order, the shelter in place orders get lifted, like there's going to be a slow reboot. Yeah. Um, what's your recommendation for business owners who want to create more engagement on the internet for the purposes of driving more sales to their product or service? Mm. You mean on social media or uh, through social media? Yeah. Let's, I think that's the most accessible resource for a lot of us. Like obviously we can um, start doing advertisements and things like that, but in terms of just getting more brand presence and connection and authenticity online, you know, you've been able to build these content series that have gone viral What's the recipe there? I think it's, I think that if you're a brand, and this is where I personally think that brands who have a soul and a story um, are, may have an opportunity to pull ahead of brands who are kind of born in like a opportunity, um, you know, think tank situation. Um, Because if you have a story to tell, now more than ever, people are going to be watching where they spend their dollars and they're going to want to spend money with people who, they care about whose story they understand who are doing something with purpose. And, um, Oh, I think I listened to something. Oh, this is terrible. I should be quoting this. Cause I have no idea where it's from, but I think the CEO of BlackRock sends out like an investment thing every year, um, around the first of the year. And, and one of the things he said was that, uh, pe- like investments are going to be much more about like, you have to have cause and you have to have care and that's where uh, businesses are going to be going in the future or like they have to have mm-hmm. a purpose, um, which I was totally into. Where was I going with that? Uh, oh, what I'm saying is tell your story. If you're a founder, get on the internet, get on, like, even though you're shy, like they, people need to understand where you're coming from and, and they need to understand your why So I feel like for social media, get out there. I also feel like because influencers are being hit right now, I think people are probably more flexible with pricing and wanting to help um, brands who are smaller. And I think you should do influencer marketing. I think now is not a time Mm -hmm. to pull back. And on the same token, Facebook ads, I know are running at a discount right now. Advertising in general is probably... You, you could get a deal yeah. in some way, yeah. um, whether that's, you know, influencers or ads on the internet, ads on websites, places like that. Yeah, for sure. Are you taking advantage of any of that yourself? Actually, Pop Sugar approached us and they they are running a whole banner ad campaign for, for us right now for free because they were like, listen, like, you know, people aren't buying ads right now. We might as well use it to support small businesses. So it's, it's pretty cool. They're just doing wow. like a full... Pop Sugar is doing like a full banner ad campaign for us. It's awesome. That's great. I wonder if others are too. You know, the thing is, they reached out to you, but I find that often in times like this, it's about you reaching out for the help. Yeah, um, that's that's totally true. So and knowing what round you up need. all your favorite websites. I know. And- <laughs> I know. I think it's also it's knowing what you need, and and quite honestly, sometimes like. I don't know what we need and I don't know what would, would help move the needle. Um, so it's like we're, we sign up for affiliate marketing because I know that 
some bigger retailers are pulling back on their affiliate strategy. Uh, so hopefully when an, when an article gets written about our hand sanitizer or something, um, they'll, they'll link to our website versus another website because we're offering affiliates now. Uh, so it's, it's like little stuff like that. We're trying to figure out how to keep people flowing to our site. Mm -hmm. Have you had to, uh, adjust any of your operations in terms of like employer, employees, production? Are you increasing your hand sanitization business or like decreasing the deodorant because no one's like going to the gym? Like, I don't know what's, what's been moving in, shaking in. In terms of our staff or our staff is just like, it's us, our four, our four core people. And then um, we have three part-time people. So everyone is still employed, um, which is good. And we've ramped up hand sanitizer for sure. Uh, I think we've been in kind of this hand sanitizer mindset for about two months now. Um, and we need to start thinking about a non uh, past a COVID world so that we can keep our business going. Um, but the hand sanitizer has been crazy. They raise the price of raw materials. Um, so there's like gouging on that end, but we've kept our price the same. We limit, we limit the quantities that people can buy so they don't bulk buy it. Um, and we've been trying to get it into the hands of people who need it, who don't have access to it. So we've been sending it out to hospitals for free. And um, anyone who basically writes to us and says, hey, I don't have it. I can't get it. We'll send it to you. That's awesome. Wow. Unbelievable. Okay. Katie, you've been so much fun. Let's do some rapid fire fill in the blanks. Okay. This is when I just start a sentence and then you finish it. So here we go. If I won the lottery tomorrow... I bet a lot of people are going to play the lottery this month. Um, record-breaking month. The first thing I would do is... I'd buy, I'd buy an island house. An island house. and a house? So or a, an island house. I don't know which kind of lottery I'm winning, but <laughs> assuming it's a big lottery, I would buy a house on an island. In, nice. Yeah. Are you, do you watch Schitt's Creek? Yes. Yeah, so I'm just I'm not, I'm I don't I'm, what season are you on? I've seen I you know what, I don't think I watched the latest season season five. Okay, well I'm only on, I'm on season five, but do you know the scene where Ted is trying to convince? No, I um, I haven't seen this season. Okay, the Galapagos. Okay, oh. no, okay, so I'm not, not going to. It's not really a spoiler, but anyway, moving <laughs> on. <laughs> Digression. Okay. If one thing I spend on that makes my life easier or better, you might not be spending on it right now, but in the past, what is that? Housekeeper. Yes. Yeah. One thing I spend on. Paying, by the way. And what was that? I am paying her still. Oh yeah. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the, it's, it's, it's all shitty for finances, but it's just the right thing to do. It is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so important. If you can do it. One thing I splurge on unapologetically is skincare. Yeah. You have great skin. What are your, some of your favorite products? I use Augustinus Bader, the rich cream. Um, I get my Botox from Dr. Weiser in New York and I get facials like every three to four weeks from Sia's beauty in Soho. It's a cost of business tax write off. When you're the face of the brand, I mean, right? Come on. All right. (laughs) I know you're a big advocate for so many charities. So this one's um, might be a hard one to answer. But when I donate, I like to give to blank because... Well, I work with a lot of animal charities. Um, 
so I, I give to Humane Society. I give to Animal Haven. Um, and I work with an organization called Wellbeings Rescue or Wellbeings, which incorporates like animals, the earth, people, everything together. Um, and I think that it's because I see the difference that those organizations make directly. Big into dog rescue, big into animal, animal stuff. Did you know that in New York State, my husband read off this stat to me the other day. He said that since the shelter in place mm-hmm. came about, that every dog has been adopted. So this is something that I got in trouble for reporting because that uh-huh. um, that is not really true. It's true for like the, like a lot of places are out of small dogs, but a lot of the big boys they're all still they're still there. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I know I, I posted about that and I was like, some good news. Like there's never any good news for animal stuff. Like I thought great. that was too good to be true. And I also know. like hard to track. Like how do you actually know there's not a single dog left to do, you know, know, to adopt? I know. That would be. Because it's not true. But because um, yeah. animal control, they were like, uh, please stop posting this. Like we have like oh. a, we have a whole room full of dogs. Um, because, you know, a lot of it's like, it's the pit bull breeds and the, the bigger guys that are harder to, to home. All right. Last two. One thing I wish I had learned about money growing up is. Hmm. You know, I think I come from an extremely conservative background and I think, and I don't even know if this is true, (laughs) but I I feel like, I think that like more investments, like different types of investments. Mm -hmm. I feel like I, I don't know. I, I think that making riskier investments is not a bad thing if you can do it. Calculated risks. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of fear with the word risk in general. And so we just kind of, or investing necessarily equals a risk that you can't afford. But yeah, I think there's, I think that's true. I think when we're younger, we kind of just learn saving and budgeting and spend, you know, then we're lucky with it. Investing is sort of like the next level up. And and sometimes the conversations just stop short. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Last but not least, I'm Katie Storino. I'm so money because. Uh, uh, I don't know. You really got me. um, yes. I don't know. I don't even know if I am money. I, I feel like I'm, I, you know what? I'm money. It's, a, I'm it's money. an attitude. It's the attitude. Because guess what? I'm wearing Crocs right now and I'm taking myself very seriously in them. So I, well, that, that's yeah. so, I mean, that's pretty, that's a pretty good portrait of, of yeah. the modern day quarantine. Yeah. So money. I'm just saying like, you know, if you, if you're wearing Crocs and you're still taking life seriously, then, uh, I think you're doing okay. Well, I'm glad to hear you're well. I'm glad to hear that, you know, you're holding down the fort in Maine and that um, you're keeping the lights on and you're thinking about next steps and you're taking care of yourself first and foremost. Thank, Thank you for you. making the time for us. Thank you. And I'm happy to come back on Boob Sweat Please. and talk about money. I, think I know that's something your listeners really care about. I think we actually are going to have you on if you'll if you'll come with us. I will do it. We'll do it. Okay. Katie, have a great, great rest of your week and talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. 
Thanks so much to my friend Katie for joining us. Check her out on Instagram at Katie Storino. Her website is katiestorino.com. Check out Mega Babe. It's her innovative beauty brand that offers non-toxic, solution-oriented products. And if you missed any of this, head over to somoneypodcast.com where you can grab the episode and the transcript. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I hope your day is so money. Money.